Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back after a uh, COVID-19 pause for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined, as always, by our Tiger Basketball beat writer, Jason Munns. Uh, we are coming to you on the heels of Memphis's first game in 18 days, a 61-46 win over Tulane, um, and uh, which sets the stage for... Uh, a two or three week sprint here to selection Sunday, um, less than three weeks sprint to selection Sunday, um, where, uh, Memphis can potentially end an NCAA tournament drought, uh, that began following the 2013, 14 season. And, uh, they haven't. They can either they, they can either earn their way in, or they can, or or the drought will continue. It's it's going to be a compelling few weeks, and uh, the, the the compelling uh, the drama, I guess, began last night when Memphis finally returned to the court after this COVID nineteen pause. So today we'll get into the Tulane game. We'll do, we'll break that down a little bit. What what Memphis looked like in its first game back in eighteen days. We'll talk about the road ahead. Uh, the next uh, week or so, what game will Memphis be making up a, ga- a postponed game? What will the schedule look like? What do they need to do uh, to feel any sort of comfort going into Selection Sunday in the conference tournament? Um, we'll dig into that as well. Um, but wanted to uh, start, Jason, I guess, with your just uh, – I think last night was all about like just – against Tulane was about just getting back out there. Um, Survive in advance, baby. Survive in advance. Yeah, don't lose the game and get your feet, you know, sort of start the process of getting your feet back under you. And in that regard, I felt like it was mission accomplished. Like, it wasn't the prettiest game. They had a season-high 20 – a season-worst 26 turnovers. But – for the most part, they were, you know, they looked fine. You know, they didn't look good enough to go beat Houston, but I don't know if anyone was expecting them to look like good enough to go beat Houston in the first game back. What what were your impressions of the Tigers uh, in this one coming back from such a long break? Well, you're talking about expectations. I think there probably was a, a, sizable number of uh, a sizable group of people who probably thought that who probably expected um, worse than what the Tigers showed uh, last night. I mean, yeah, they turned the ball over 26 times. 
They didn't shoot the ball very well, um, but they won. They, 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 like Alex Lomax, who, who we've spent the last month talking about how as he goes, so go the Tigers. And yet he, that, that, that was disproven uh, last night. I mean, he did not have a very good game. And yet the Tigers still won by 15 points. They beat a two lane team that, yes, they're not very good, but they beat Tulsa. Well, here's what I would point about point out about this Tulane game. Go look at what Tulane's done this year. The only team to beat Tulane by more points than Memphis beat only AAC team to beat Tulane by more points than Memphis beat Tulane last night is Houston. Yeah, Um, they were not losing to teams by double digits, and yes, there were some, I guess, concerning things, namely the turnovers, which have been an issue for this team for two years, you know, for multiple years, going on multiple years now. Um, but I thought defensively, like it was among one of the, it was one of the best games they've played defensively under Penny Hardaway. And that's saying something because they've been really good defensively under Penny Hardaway. Yeah. I mean, 40, 46 points is the fewest points a Penny Hardaway coach team has allowed against an AAC team. And Tulane, if you look at it, they just, you know, Penny said it, they, they followed the game plan really well. Like Tulane was a team, part of the reason why they were competitive this year, why they weren't getting, they weren't losing by double digits to teams very often was because they led the AAC in assist to turnover ratio entering Saturday. Well, they had three assists and 16 turnovers against Memphis and also shot 25% from the field. Now, they're a horrible shooting team generally, um, but they they sort of make up for it with being a good free throw shooting team and not turning the ball over. And um, Memphis forced – like, you know, they did – they played right into Memphis's hands, but I think Memphis kind of guided them there, you know, with their defensive intensity. Like, it was – yeah, it, part of the problem – you don't just score 46 points and it's just the defense or it's just off. Like, you know, the uh, Tulane contributed to that by being bad, but I think a lot of credit goes to the Memphis defense as well, because they came out and played with an intensity that allowed them to um, kind of have, it, it gave them time to figure it out on offense. Um, and personally, I think at least for the next two games, Cincinnati and USF, you, I think if you can replicate the defensive performance you had against Tulane, it buy, again buys you some time to figure it out offensively where we've seen it takes maybe a couple games for these teams that return from COVID pause. It, it takes them a couple games to get their rhythm back. Yeah, I, I was looking at the numbers just now. Tulane shot 25.9%. Memphis held Tulane to 25.9% from the field, which sounds really good, and it is. It's the it's the lowest uh, field goal percentage for an opponent, uh, for a Memphis opponent this season, but it's not even uh, the lowest in the last two years. Believe it or not, um, Tennessee last year shot 25%. Uh, against Memphis and scored just 47 points. Um, so anyway, no, that, that was just something that, uh, 
that I thought was, uh, yeah, I mean, they turned the ball over a bunch. Tulane did. They got out rebounded by a ton. Um, and yeah, it, 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 I, I agree with your point that, um, that Memphis, uh, took care of business, did what it was supposed to do. And if, and if they're going to only get better, uh, you know, if they're only going to, uh, you know, come along. And you'd assume the offense is going to get better. Like they're going to, they Memphis shot under 40% last night. You would assume they won't shoot under 40% moving forward. Hopefully. Yes. You would assume Alex Lomax would, um, play better than he did last night. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me exactly what he did, but I don't think it was very, uh, very pretty. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, like, just imagine if he was on last night, imagine how much better, uh, how much worse the, the final score would have looked. So, um, yeah, yeah I, just no, think, you know. I just saw, I, I, I sense some angst from that performance because the turnover number was so high and it was, you know, very high. But I felt, if anything, the way my emotions have kind of gone through this period is before the COVID pause happened, you know, it felt like you felt like increasingly good that like the Tigers had a shot, you know, that the Tigers might be, you know, they were picking up momentum. They were, you know, looking better. um, And you just felt like, okay, they've got a legitimate chance to play their way back into an at-large berth, which was something it felt like, a, you know, a few weeks before that, it, it didn't seem it didn't seem nearly uh, fees, as feasible as it did. Then the pause happened, and honestly, I feel like as the pause went on and as these games got more and more, more and more games got postponed and we got closer and closer to the end of the regular season, for Memphis coming back, I felt like my, my thought process was I felt like it in my mind, it diminished their chances of earning an at-large birth. Like as we went through it, I, at no, no point did I think it was impossible, but I just didn't feel quite as good about the situation as I did before the COVID pause, you know, just because the, the limited number of games and kind of this, starting from a standstill and going into a dead sprint to close the year right off the bat. Like, I didn't know. I, I felt worse. And I found last night's win over Tulane to be reassuring. I don't know if I feel all the way back as good as I did before the COVID pause, but I think I feel better today than I did before the ball was tipped yesterday against Tulane that they can, that they can get their act together uh, enough to figure it out down the stretch here and win the number of games they need to win. Because that's what we should talk about next is, you know, what is the path to uh, the NCAA tournament? What does it look like, especially because we don't know uh, what the schedule is going to look like um, the latest, as we record this at like 11 a.m. on Thursday, and I put the time because this thing could, you know, there's gonna pro- there's gonna be announcements. But Memphis has had its game next week against South Florida moved from Wednesday to Tuesday, and there's been no corresponding move announced. But presumably, 
they're doing that, the AAC, in order for Memphis to play on Thursday or Friday. Now, AAC Commissioner Mike Oresco spoke to the Wichita Eagle um, because Wichita State had its games this week against SMU wiped out because SMU's been on a COVID pause. And what Mike Oresco told the Wichita Eagle is that they are going to do this over this last week of the season. They are going to uh, do their best as a league to, I guess, add games on the schedule that are going to present opportunities for the league's bubble teams. So Memphis, Wichita State, SMU, they're going to get priority. It's something, you know, we've we've discussed a little bit uh, at times, whether on the radio or 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 in columns, whatever. Um, and if you listen, if you read the Wichita report, the Wichita Eagle report, they're reporting that at the very least, Wichita State seems to think it's going to play Memphis next week that the game that that's going to be on Thursday or Friday next week that will be replaced is the at Wichita state game that got postponed by Memphis's COVID-19 pause. Now there's also an at Houston game that got postponed due that COVID-19 pause. And um, I think, and Penny thinks he said it last night, like if, if Memphis can only replace one game that they've missed along the way, I think you'd prefer it to be Houston because what's become clear, uh, you know, we can debate whether they have an at-large chance or not, you know, like how good their shot is at, at, at working their way back into, you know, being on the right side of the bubble here down the stretch. But there's no scenario where their name, to, it, it feels, where their name is called on Selection Sunday and they don't have a win over Houston. And so – you probably want to, yeah, I think you'd probably prefer two cracks at Houston. Um, I'm not sure how a added Wichita State game, quite frankly, I, I'm not sure how it helps you that much beating Wichita State. I know it would technically be a quad one win today, Wichita State today, but ultimately you're going to be judged on whether you beat Houston because. The one, the one, the fatal flaw right now in the Memphis resume. Their numbers are, you know, the numbers aren't great, but they're also not disqualifying. The computer numbers, you know, they're like forty-five in Ken Palm, and I don't know what they moved up to in the net. They're probably like in the at sixty. They did not move up. They're still at sixty-two. Sixty-two. So you probably like, you know, you want your your net to probably be in the top fifty, and you want your your Ken Palm rating to be in the top forty when all and- said and done. Two games against Houston as opposed to one game against Wichita, one game against Houston will give you the best opportunity to make – it will give you the, the most uh, – the, the best chance to, well, uh, to, to move up. Well, and when Joe Lenardi spoken to you, when he's spoken to other people about Memphis's resume, I mean, he said basically one of the things – the fatal flaw right now in the Memphis resume is they don't have a win over a tournament team this year. They have not beaten a team that is currently projected to be in the NCAA tournament. Memphis's two best wins are SMU at home and Wichita State at home. And Houston is a tournament team. You know, like they are firmly in the field. And so that's why that win is so important, I think, to kind of help. You know, you're trying to spin a narrative if you're Memphis here because you don't have the impressive non-conference wins 
and you're not in a league with a ton of uh, impressive, te- you know, quad one t- opportunities. You're trying to spin a narrative, one, based on solid computer metrics, which if you win out and beat Houston, your computer metrics are going to be pretty good. And you're, you're, you're spinning a narrative of, you know, not only are we the second best team in the AAC, we might be the best team in the AAC because we beat Houston. And if, frankly, if Memphis wins out and beat, you know, the one benefit of having Wichita State added to the schedule next week rather than Houston, Memphis truly controls its own destiny in the conference championship race in terms of the regular season title. They beat you, they win every game including a game over Wichita State and Houston, they're going to win the regular season conference title. Again, another feather to help with this narrative that Memphis is going to have to um, build, if you will, for Selection Sunday. It's, you know, it's we're closing the year as one of the hottest teams in the country, which is what they'd be if they can pull this off and beat Cincinnati, beat USF, beat Wichita state or met or Houston in that makeup game and then beat Houston uh, to close the year. You'd be one of the hottest teams in the country. Yeah. You'd, you'd be the regular season champion. Um, and you'd have uh, a, in this case, a three and one record against the three, three other best teams in the conference in this scenario. That's, you know, that's the type of narrative you're going to need to build to overcome the fact that the uh, commit the committee is going to look at your look at your wins and go they didn't beat anyone but Houston who's a tournament team and they lost all their decent non-conference games they lost all the non-conference games that actually matter so um it, it's it's that's why I it, it was important to get the two lane game because you figure that's the that was the biggest game where the risk of rust could derail you You've got to – now I feel better because I, I thought they looked decent enough, and I think they'll look better at Cincinnati on Sunday because, you know, it will have been basically a week since they got back to practice at that point. And um, I don't know. I feel pretty – I feel I feel very – I feel hopeful. I don't know if I'd say it's a better than 50% chance that they do this. It's probably – if you probably go by, you know, a stati- statistician out there will probably calculate it's far less than a 50% chance that Memphis isn't, you know, is able to do enough, win enough to get an at-large berth. But I don't know. I just feel, I feel very, I feel some, I feel hope after that Tulane game that they can, they can just with that formula of kind of mucking it up and playing great defense that certainly at least, for the next couple games, that'll be enough while they get their legs under them. And then, you know, hopefully they can, if they play, if they can, if they can get back to playing offensively the way they were playing, or at least the way they were shooting before the COVID-19 pause af- over the next week, um, they have a real chance at beating Wichita State and Houston because they're good enough. And, you know, those, neither of those teams, I mean, they've already beaten Wichita State by 20 and Houston has shown it's beatable. Well, I hear you. I hear all that, Mark. But allow me to um, sort of balance the scales here. Uh, allow me to rain on your hopeful okay. parade. Uh, give you some some food for thought here. Uh, okay. So they're going to Cincinnati, right? Going to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I haven't won there in a while. I looked it up last night. You did. And it's the last time I, I looked at, I looked, I found the exact date. Um, December, it was December 3rd, 2005. It was the last time they won at Cincinnati. Are that you was sure playing. I thought the 07 08 team won there? Is that wrong? Uh, ooh. yeah, I think that's wrong. Let me double check though. Hang on, I got it right in front of me. Well, I got the, I got the record book right here. Oh, you're right. Oh, seven, oh, eight. Yeah, the last time they won was the national championship game year at Cincinnati. It's a span of seven games, they played seven times at Cincinnati. Um, and uh, seven since then. And they've lost every game at Cincinnati since then. 0708. They won, yeah, but they won in yeah, 7969, 0708. Um, and they've lost total seven of their last eight games against Cincinnati. Although the one win during that span was last year at FedEx Forum, uh, when very, very similarly to the Tulane game, Memphis uh beat them 60 to 49, I believe something like that, but they held them under 50. They held Cincinnati under 50 points, but Cincinnati, this is the dangerous one. It feels like if you look at, you know, obviously Tulane was a home game, first of all, which made it uh, a little uh, easier, I think. Um, But if you look at Cincinnati, they've played increasingly, they're having a disappointing year. They're eight and eight but they've won five of their past six and six of their last eight. And their only losses during that eight game span are to Wichita state and Houston. So, and um, now they got blown out by Houston last weekend, um, but they're playing better basketball. Now uh, Cincinnati is, and they're tough to beat at home. Um, They just always have been. Um, like during this stretch, the Wichita State and Houston losses they suffered were both road games. Um, during this stretch, they've won, they've only had two home games. Now, the one thing that Memphis has going to its benefit in this game against Cincinnati is Cincinnati, I believe, Jason, they played last night while Memphis was playing Tulane. Cincinnati beat Tulsa by one point. They then play Tulane tomorrow night, Friday, um, in Cincinnati, and then play Memphis Sunday. So they will be playing their third game in five days when they play Memphis on Sunday. Um, So there is a a fatigue factor at play here for Cincinnati. Um, But if history – so going back to – I stand corrected on the last time they won at Cincinnati. Uh, so thank you for that. But um, I, I dug a little bit deeper. Uh, so get this. Cincinnati has the second most wins against the Tigers of any team they've ever played. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also played them a lot because they've been in the same conference a lot. But yeah, yes, that's, that's true. So, But Cincinnati has 47 wins against the Tigers. Um, and they've got a plus 14 in the win-loss. They're, they're, they've won 14 more games than they've lost uh, against the Tigers, and that is the second-largest uh, second uh, win-loss differ- differential. The only team to have beaten Memphis more times than Cincinnati in history is Louisville, and, uh, 
and and this and Louisville's uh, win loss differential uh, win loss uh, differentials plus eighteen. So um, that's the kind of. By the way, I think it's thirteen. I think because you're not counting one of the win. They they don't count one of the wins officially because of the Derrick Rose year. Like the year the 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 one the last. Technically, if you're going by the official rule book, that win they have over Cincinnati in 07-08 isn't an official win because it was taken out of the record book because of the Derrick Rose stuff in that 07-08 year. You're just a, a fact-checking fool today. Yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, yeah. that is still a um, – yeah, yeah that's, that's something that, uh, that, that can't, be, can't be ignored. Well, and to show so 0506 now, Jason, is technically the last official win over Cincinnati, the last record book win over Cincinnati, right. if you will. Um, and then well, and then you add on to that, you're gonna play South Florida on Saturday. And this Cincinnati game just feels more dangerous. You look at South Florida, on the other hand, where Cincinnati's won six of its last eight, South Florida's lost three of four. Um, and it includes uh, a 18-point home loss to Temple last night. Um, so uh, that's a game, you know, it feels like South Florida has kind of let go of the rope here a little bit uh, down the stretch. They're 8-9 and this season. But um, if Memphis can take care of business, it is setting up for one heck of a le- end to the regular season, where whether it's Wichita State or Houston next Thursday or Friday – and then the Houston game at home uh, a week from Sunday on national TV on CBS, it's going to like, it will, if they can, if they can take care of business against Cincinnati and South Florida, it sets up, I mean, honestly, two, maybe two of the biggest games Memphis basketball has played. I mean, really, I mean, the, the, the other only other ones I can think of in terms of like, there's been bigger games, I guess, you know, the Tennessee game last year was big, but in terms of the stakes, at the end of the year, you know, where you feel like, you know, it, it could set up most meaningful games since probably they were in the AAC tournament championship game in what, 2016, I think, uh, or 2015, one of those years when they lost to UConn. Um, but like, and then other than that, it's, you know, since they were last in the tournament. I mean, this is the, this feels like the closest they've been, you know, it's not saying again an at-large berth. There's a better than fifty percent chance they get an at-large berth. There's not. It's a, it's not that big of a chance. There's a lot of things that have to happen in order for it to happen. That being said, they are as close to an at-large berth as they've ever been since this drought began. Like there's actually it's February twenty-fifth, and there's actually a reasonable uh, way they can pull it off. I'm pretty sure over the last six seven years. On February 25th, it didn't feel as reasonable uh, as it does right now in the past. It's certainly since I've been here in 2017, it's never felt you you like last year. You could pretend, I guess, that Memphis had a chance at being an at-large team, but you were having to do some mental gymnastics to get there. You know, same with under Tubby. Both years under Tubby, that was the same thing. You could like, I guess, like theoretically pretend Memphis was uh you know a few wins away from being in the bubble conversation but it was like it was hard you had to really uh suspend a lot of reality um in order to get there and and i don't think you have to do that in this situation i think it's very clear 
if they can take care of business these next two, they set themselves up with a platform that can um, at, le- at the very least um, make it a very, very interesting selection Sunday. Yeah. And that's that's kind of after the way the last seven years have gone. I mean, is that can you ask for much more? I mean, well, I mean, I think the goal, I mean, I'll say this. Let's not move the goalposts too much. We said coming into this year, didn't matter how you did it. It didn't matter what seed you were, whatever. The goal this year was to get the program back to the NCAA tournament. And anything other than that was going to feel like a disappointment. And I think that's where I'm at. After all the COVID pauses, after the disappointing start, after, you know, the the DeAndre Williams situation where he can't play at the beginning of the year, after they go on this hot streak, after this newest pause, after two pauses, one that's their fault, one that's not their fault, one that's because they got COVID, one because a bunch of their opponents got COVID. Um, Here we are, and I, I think we still should think about it the same way. If the goal this year is to make the NCAA tournament. This team is good enough to make the NCAA tournament. They got to go out and make the NCAA tournament. And if they don't, I think you're going to come away and feel like the season's a disappointment to a certain extent. I, I just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm, you know, I know there's a lot going on in the world, but I, I just, I, I feel like this should be a tournament team. And um, they, they dug themselves a hole and they've started to dig out of it. And, you know, hopefully here over the last couple of weeks, they can finish that dig, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all true. And, and, and um, certainly all true, but we should also not um, discount the fact that no matter, like, let, let's say they uh, lose a game and going into the AAC tournament, they're, they're kind of they're still on the outside looking in. They haven't done enough, you know. That that that's that's the general consensus. Um, they've, I mean, the the deal is not done. They've not sewn up a first round by um, by any stretch, but they're in a really good position to 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 do that here in the next mm-hmm. couple of day couple of games. And this, I mean this team is as capable as any other, I believe in the AAC of winning three games in three days and getting itself, you know, making all this at large uh, possibility, this, this whole discussion about an at large possibility completely moot. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I I feel like that, that should be uh, at least um, mentioned as well. And in recent years, I don't think they've gotten that five. Like winning four games in four days is even though it's just one game, that one game is a big difference. Like it is. It, winning three games in three days is is just it just it's a much easier task. Yep. Um, because it's that third game where you start to run out of gas. But when yep. the third game becomes a win in your in situation, that's when adrenaline can overcome that, you know, the magic of March, if you will. That's when that type of stuff can happen. Uh, and I think you're right. I think they're very capable of you know, if of winning the conference tournament, they've, I mean, they've shown that if they like the way they play defense, they don't have to play that well on offense, even against the best teams in this league. Like, and I think one of the things that benefits Memphis is they match up better against Houston, I think, than anyone else in the league. They've got the long guards and athletes 
to be able to match up with Houston better than anyone else. Um, now, that being said, those games against Houston become like just battles of toughness and will because yeah. you know, like that's what you have to do to beat Houston. You got to out tough them, which is difficult because they are tough and Kelvin State, they're just naturally tough. But when you saw that, when which the formula of Wichita State did, and it's sort of a formula that uh, Memphis used last night against Tulane, is like they just they outworked them on the glass, out toughed them, um, out battled them, and that's kind of what Memphis did against Tulane. And and obviously you're gonna it's Tulane is not nearly what Houston is, but I mean they they out rebounded them fifty three to twenty nine. Memphis did like they just kind of. They, they didn't rely in, on skill. They relied on um, their physical attributes, if you will, like their, their athlete, their, their superior athleticism and size and just their, um, their toughness and relentlessness on defense. Um, and I think that's a formula, especially in the postseason. Um, when sometimes shots don't fall, like, I just think, I, I think if Memphis can somehow get in, they're going to be tough to beat. Like they have a type of team that can go on a run in the tournament because they, they're talented enough to where, you know, you know, Boogie, we, you know, Boogie Ellis can pop off in a game. DJ can pop off in a game. Landers can pop off in a game. DeAndre Williams could pop off in a game. And then you add on the fact that they play not just really good defense, but kind of a diverse defense. They play de- defense in a way, a run and jump, scrap it up style. Not many teams in the country play. They're going to be really hard to prepare for. I, I just think there's there's the, there's ingredients there for a magical run here. I, it's yeah. it's just can they pull it off? Can they? You know, it, it's about going on one of those runs. The, the teams I think of are some. Remember, like the the Connecticut team that was like a seven seed, you know, and uh, went to the final four with Shabazz Napier, the, the Syracuse team with Jerry McNamara that like stampeded through the conference tournament and like went from a fringe bubble team to a um, juggernaut that was really tough to beat. You know, they didn't win a championship, but they, they got, they got hot. You know, and and just the again, the magic of March kind of took over. Uh, and, you know, it's possible to do that. We've seen it before. And I'm I don't know. I'm just really excited to see if Memphis can do it. Like, I just want to see him keep winning, because when with each win, the stakes get higher and the games get more exciting. And it's like everything you love about college basketball. That's what we could be seeing here over the next week and a half or so for Memphis. So. Um, and Tulane was the first step. Cincinnati's the second step. Hopefully, um, hopefully they don't, hopefully they can avoid these next two landmines against Cincinnati and USF. And they set the stage for, you know, a really memorable week, uh, if you will, week and a half, um, to close the regular season and then going into the conference tournament. The other tough thing about this that, that we haven't really talked about is how, uh, I, I, I've, I've uh, it's been indicated to me that Memphis is not going to return home once they leave for Cincinnati. They are going to uh, they're going to go to Cincinnati. 
They're going to go straight from there to Tampa. They're going to go straight from Tampa to either Wichita or Houston, most likely. And, um, and then they'll come home. So like the next, you know, seven ish days, six days or whatever, they're going to be on the road completely. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to just be on a, they're going to be flying from, they'll go to Cincinnati probably Saturday. Right. Their Saturday evening, Saturday late afternoon, then play Cincinnati Sunday, fly to Tampa Sunday night, Sunday night or whatever, Monday morning, whatever they want to do. No, yeah, probably Sunday afternoon because the Cincinnati game is is early. Yeah, uh, early. Then you play uh, USF on Tuesday. You're in Tampa Monday, play USF Tuesday, then uh, fly fly to to either Wichita State or Houston probably um, for a Thursday or Friday game. Yep, Uh, and then come home that, and then come home for that giant game at home against Houston in the regular season finale. No, you're right. It's going to be, I put it in my column at commercialpill.com off the two lane game. I thought the NCAA tournament started yesterday for Memphis in a lot of ways. Like, like there, here we go. Like (laughs) this is, it's, you can't, you're playing games. You really can't lose. Like Cincinnati is a, you lose to Cincinnati. I mean, honestly, at that point you can kiss your at large births. Goodbye. I know. Yes. You could maybe work your way back in by beating Houston and Wichita State, but that bad law lo- uh, to me, that would probably be the death knell of the at large berth. You lose to Cincinnati or USF. Um, so those are must win games. And then at Wichita State, like, you know, I don't know how much it helps you, but I, I do think another loss could hurt you. Um, and certainly it would, it would really mean you're not going to be the conference regular season champion. Uh, if you lose to Wichita State and then Houston, we said you have to beat Houston. Um, you ha- you know you need a win over Houston on your resume. None of this is none of this makes means anything if you don't have a win over Houston on your resume. Whether it's I guess the regular season finale um, or I guess potentially the conference championship game, but that could be in the you know at that point might as well just win the conference tournament. Yeah, maybe um, too little, too late there. Um, yeah, as as Joe Lunardi put it to me uh, when I spoke to him a week or two ago, Memphis has to move the needle. They haven't moved the needle yet, and the only thing left on their schedule that is a move-the-needle type uh, event is beating Houston. And so until they do that, it's all you – know, without doing that, it's, 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 they're going to come up short. Well, we shall see how this unfolds, Jason. Um, again, Memphis at Cincinnati Sunday. We will have plenty of coverage of everything Memphis basketball rated, r- related over at commercialpeel.com. The latest on the schedule. What game is going to get uh, put into that slot next week? Is it Wichita State? Is it Houston? We'll, we'll have full details uh, over at commercialpeel.com whenever that breaks. Um, and, uh, We'll have tons of coverage again of, of everything that's happening here. It's going to be an exciting uh, next uh, couple weeks. If you're a Memphis basketball fan, hopefully the team, um, hopefully the team can keep it rolling um, now that they're finally back from this COVID-19 pause. All right. Till next time, hopefully next week, hopefully this is the last time we'll have no, you know, games postponed the rest of the year. Um, But till next time I was Mark, I was joined by Jason. Thank you so much. And, uh, it, it, 
enjoy the rest of your week and uh, and the and the weekend. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.